Thank you so much. It is so good, so good to be home uh, from Israel. For those of you who don't know, uh, Rebecca and I have been on a two-week study tour with Covenant Theological Seminary through uh, not only just Jerusalem, but all of Israel, up in Galilee and up in, or down in Jerusalem and in Jericho and by the Dead Sea and every, everything that I preach about, we got to go and see almost every single one of those spots. So you're going to hear me over the next six months, I'm going to wear you out with saying, and actually I was standing right there at the Sea of, you know, Galilee. So, um, so you know, just bear with me because it was an absolutely life-transforming powerful uh, experience and um, I'm just game for all of us to jump on a couple airplanes and go over together at some point. I just think, I mean, that would be so awesome. So if anybody's got a couple million bucks they want to just throw in the hat and fly us over there, let's do it. Um, Amen. No takers. I'm no takers. Um, But it was an amazing experience. Uh, Just like in in a synagogue, I was standing in a synagogue in Capernaum and it is not just a synagogue, it is the synagogue where Jesus preached on multiple occasions. You can read about it in the scripture and then, you know, it's one thing to read about it in black and white. It's another thing to actually be standing on the granite slab that Jesus was standing on when he preached. Uh, and as a preacher, you know, standing on that same slab and, and, and just looking out and the building is small. It's not, not even half the size of this auditorium. And he would come there and he would preach uh, multiple, multiple times. Um, walking, one of the moments for me was like walking through the threshold of that synagogue. And there's like an old stone threshold is from the first century. So every time he came in, he would have had to step on that step and come walking in. And I don't know about you, but to me, that was just like, it was just a powerful experience. Not like it's magical or anything special but it's just, it was just beautiful to be in the very space where my Lord and Savior stood and preached and taught and healed people and fought for righteousness and just, it was just an amazing experience. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be full of stories and, and things like that for a while. Um, but it was, it was incredible. Uh, I'll, I'll show you a couple things. Um, we were on the Sea of Galilee actually at one point and that was a, a very cool experience because we're literally, and I'm rocking the U-City. This is old, old vintage U-City family church before we became one family church. But um, so that t-shirt has been in the Sea of Galilee. All right. Um, not actually in it, but on it. All right. Um, that's Mount Arbel behind us. That's where many believe that Jesus commissioned his disciples at the end of his ministry and said, go, because you can see everywhere from up there. And he said, go and preach the gospel to every creature, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the uttermost parts of the earth. It was just an amazing experience to be there. They actually had a first century boat that somebody dug up out of the mud. So you can see they found this, this one boat from, from the first century, from Jesus's time. Um, and, and there it is, it's sitting there and, you know, it's not all together. It's some pieces missing, but, um, it's 2000 years old. What do you, what do you want? It doesn't float that well anymore, but, but it was amazing to see it and to think like, okay, Jesus and his 12 disciples were, were in a boat this size, just like this and going through the sea. And it's probably about half the size of this stage. And, you know, if you think about, you know, we have six 
worship singers across the front, six or seven. Think about 13 disciples huddled on a boat, just half the size of this stage, and a storm comes, and the wind is whipping up, and the waves are coming. You're going to be, you're going to be nervous, you know? So just seeing all of that stuff was, in, was just really uh, incredible. This was uh, our professor. This is Jerem Bars. He was, uh, he's a professor at Covenant Theological Seminary, and he's the one who led us on this tour. And, and you know, we would open the Bible. We would be standing uh, at a site where Jesus taught, and he would open the Bible, read the passage, and then, and then, and then teach us about that moment. And uh, it was just incredible. And he's teaching here in this picture. We're actually in the plaza of the temple, uh, the first century temple. So it was like right kind of diagonally across from where he's standing, where Jesus came and drove the money changers out of the temple. If you remember that story, when there was sort of corruption and injustice and, and uh, oppression in the temple, and Jesus came and drove them out. It was, you could literally see it from where we're standing uh, right there. Uh, we did have one situation where one of the locals uh, got a little fresh with my wife. And so I just, I had to, you know, kind of put the kibosh on that. Um, but... Yeah, um, but it was an amazing, it was, a, it was an amazing time. Um, so, but we're glad to be back. One of the, one of the moments that, that really captured my attention that relates to our series, the one series, uh, was when I was standing at the, um, at, the, at, the, at the western wall of the temple. Most of that western wall, much of it is still intact from the time of Jesus. And uh, people will go and pray there. Jews from all over the world will come and pray at that western wall. And they'll actually write little prayers and put them on a piece of paper and stick it in the cracks of the rock and spend some time praying there. And for me, that was a, a very powerful emotional experience. I was praying, I was praying for you. Uh, I was praying for our church family. I was praying for my, my, my biological family, my personal you know, nuclear family, although we learned the first week that we're all biological family, but that's another story. That's another sermon. Go back on our website. You can watch that. Um, but um, I was praying for myself. I was just, just spending some time in prayer there. Um, but, but at the same time, there were a bunch of young uh, uh, guys that were being bar mitzvahed. They were Jewish guys, 12 years old, and they were being bar mitzvahed at the, at the Western Wall. Um, and a couple things about the, I got to watch them, and uh, something about what, they, what was happening there caught my attention. I'll show you just a quick little clip of, a, of a, a video I took while I was there. You see this boy right over here is being bar mitzvahed. You you'll see in just a minute. A lot of interesting things to notice um, in that video, but one of the things that caught my attention was that if you look at the guy in the foreground here, you notice the, the, the leather strap that he has around his hand, and then there's uh, also like a leather strap across his forehead, and you see the other guys also have this, these leather 
um, boxes on their head and uh, leather bands around uh, their arms. And, um, and it, it really caught my attention and I was thinking about, and I've done some research on it, but I really kind of dug into it a little bit more to try to understand what that represented, what was going on uh, with these guys. I also like the kid in the shades. That dude is pretty awesome as well. Um, uh, but, but what I learned is that um, in these boxes that these, that these observant Jews have on their head and on the box, they have little things on their hands too, the little boxes on their hands. Uh, what is inside of those boxes is what they believe to be the most important scripture in all of the Bible. So if they were going to take the whole Bible, the whole, in their case, the whole Hebrew Bible, the whole Old Testament, and distill it down to one, one command, one, one scripture, uh, they would take it and distill it down to this one scripture, and it's written out on a little scroll, and it's rolled up, and they put it in those boxes, and they put it in the boxes on their hands. And um, you may, if you, if you have any friends who are Jewish and are observant Jews, you may have seen something like this, like a, it's called a mezuzah, on their doorpost. When you go walking into their house, they're all different colors and different styles and everything. But, but um, and inside of this little box, same thing. There's what they believe to be the most important scripture in the whole Bible. The, the one important scripture. Most important scripture in the whole Bible. If you had to take out the rest of the Bible and only have one scripture, this is the one. They roll it up on a little scroll like this. And in Hebrew. And then they put it inside of the box. And they put it in this box. And they put it in the other box. In fact, every observant Jew reads this scripture or recites this scripture every morning and every night. And in every one of their services, every one of their prayer services, so every synagogue around the world yesterday um, on, on, on the Jewish Sabbath, every Jew recited this uh, scripture. Um, and and, and they, they deem it to be the most important scripture uh, to, to, uh, to the faith. And so what I want to do, are you curious about the scripture? Because I'm going to read it to you. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And here's what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, somebody help me, one. The Lord is one. Now, this was, this was, this was revolutionary at the time. This is, this is 1400 years BC when this, uh, when this was, was expressed by Moses, this idea. And he was living in a time where, um, most people, in fact, almost everyone in that region did not believe that there was just one God. They each had their own tribal God. They each had their own uh, God from their own nation. And when they would go to war with each other, it was really a battle of who's got the strongest God. Whose God is strongest, my God or your God? And if they won, they would go, see, my God was stronger. And if they lost, they would go, hey, it seems like your God might be stronger. I think I'll, I'll start worshiping him as well as my God. So I don't want to take off my God because he's been good to me, but I'm also going to incorporate your guy into my worship. And so throughout that region, um, thousands of years ago, it was, a, it was a polytheistic world. Everybody was worshiping multiple gods. And along comes Moses and says, no, 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 no. There's only, there's only one. There's only one. Well, how do we respond to this God, Moses? How do we interact with him? And the next verse says this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So there's really only one God and there's only one thing to do, to love him. 
And these words, he said, which I command you today shall be in your heart. Put these words in your heart. The love of God. Put it in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your, to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. Wherever you're going, when you're hanging out at home, talk about the love of God. When you're walking down the path, taking, going somewhere, talk about the love of God. When you lie down before you go to bed, talk about how much you love God. Uh, and when you rise up, say it in the morning. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. And the Orthodox Jews take that literally. That's why they have it wrapped around their hand and their, and their eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, Moses is saying, God is saying through Moses, there's really only one thing to think about. And that is that there's one God and all of your attention, all your focus, all your love, everything goes to him. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Now, the challenge for many of us, in fact, all of us, is that it's really, really easy to get distracted from the one. Anybody with me on that? It, 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 can, get, it can get a little tricky. So today I want to preach for a few minutes, just literally a few minutes, on the subject of the power of the one. The power of one. Uh, a buddy of mine who is a hunter uh, told me this story years ago that he was out deer hunting. And I took a poll in the first service and we didn't have any deer hunters, maybe two. Um, but, but he was out deer hunting and if you've ever been deer hunting, deer hunting is mostly sitting in a tree is the main thing that you're doing. Because you go up in a tree stand and you just sit there and you wait for a deer to come. I've gone deer hunting twice and I've spent 16 hours of my life deer hunting. Um, I've never seen a deer while deer hunting, um, but I sure have sat there with a gun in my hand. and not, not even sure if I was gonna be able to squeeze the trigger, but anyway, I just you know saw some chipmunks, saw some leaves falling and saw some birds overhead and you know, sat there for 16 hours in two different scenarios. But anyway, my buddy is sitting there and he's sitting there waiting, 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 waiting. And finally he hears the crackle of a branch out in the woods and he goes, wait, what is this? And so he's waiting and he's starting to tense up a little bit. He's looking through the woods. He's looking through the branches of the trees. And sure enough, here comes through the branches a big male deer, a buck with big antlers. And he's like, wow, this is going to be amazing. This is the pride. This is what I've been waiting for, you know, for hours and hours and hours. In fact, he, he was all in. I won't go to all the links that deer hunters go to to attract male deer to themselves has to do with pheromones and stuff like that. I don't want to even get into it. But anyway, um, so they're up in the thing and he's, here, comes this, here comes this big deer towards him and he's looking, he's like, wow, this is a huge, this is a huge buck. I'm going to get this deer. And so he starts to focus in and get his rifle and then the scope and all this on the, on the deer and he's ready to get this deer and, and it's coming through the woods and he's got his finger on the trigger and he's taking that breath and he's just about ready to do it. But right before he does it, he sees something out of the corner of his eye. And it looks like another big deer. Like, and it looks like it might be a bigger deer than the one that he was sighting in over here. And so he goes, oh my gosh, I got a deer here, but there's another deer. And I think this other deer is bigger than the deer that I'm at right now. And he's got to make a split, split second decision. So he goes, I'm going to go with the big deer, the bigger deer. So he swings his rifle over here. And as soon as he sights in on this other deer, because there is another deer, he realizes, no, 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 this deer is smaller than the first deer. 
And the antlers are just little tiny antlers, not the big antlers. And you can't put those on your wall because people will mock you openly. And so he's looking, he's going, ah, this is not the deer that I thought it was. So then he's got to say, all right, I got to swing back over here and get the first deer, right? Well, of course, by this time, the first deer is watching the swinging back and forth of the rifle and noticing this and perceptively says, I think it's time for me to skedaddle on out of the woods. And so that deer takes off back through the woods. So by the time he gets his rifle back over here, that deer's gone. It's too late. So then he's like, well, I guess I have to take the little deer. So he swings his rifle back over this way. Well, the little deer took a cue from the big deer. And the little deer is now running off through the woods and he's gone. And my friend learned that when you get distracted from one thing by another thing, sometimes you end up with no thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has anybody been there in your life? Like you're, you're, you're going down, you got one thing that you're trying to go after, but you get distracted by another thing and then you end up with neither thing. You know, some of you have experienced this with, with you know, your career path. You've been going down, you've been, you, you had a plan, you had a focus, you were going down a path, and you're going down this path, and then it just, something got, something got you diverted, something distracted you. And you tried to come over here, and now you came over here, and then you thought, oh gosh, I should have come back over here. And before you know it, here you are, years later, going, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have stayed focused and stayed on the path that I was on. Relationships, this happens too. If you ever notice newlyweds, the way the newlyweds look at each other is pitiful. They just, they just, I mean, they just, it's just goo goo, man. I mean, it's just eyes locked, whatever you need, baby, whatever you need, boo boo, whatever you do, right? And they just, and it's beautiful actually, right? But over time, over time, what can happen is distractions. And I'm not even talking about necessarily bad distractions, I'm just talking about stuff right? Like you get focused on other things. And what was once this kind of clear, single-minded focus and purpose now is spread out. And you're not, you, you wonder how you drifted apart. You wonder how you, you know, you got so far away from each other, right? Because you get distracted, you get off, you get off track, you get derailed. How many of you guys are still observing the, um, the New Year's resolutions that you made for your health at the beginning of the year, January 1st? How many of you guys are absolutely one, two, Two. Okay. Uh, three. All right. Good. Um, right. Because we, we, we start off going, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm only going to eat lettuce, you know, and rice. And then I'm going to work out eight times a day. And then I'm going to, right. And then we got a plan. You got to focus. And then we get off. It's in every area of our life. And it's, it's, it's actually getting worse with technology because you just can't like, there are so many distractions in your world, in your, like everywhere. Do you know that, do you know that there are 7.5 billion people on the planet and 4.5 billion of them have a cell phone? Did you know that? A mobile phone? That means 4.5 people are trying, 4.5 billion people are trying to connect with you. They're trying to engage you. They're trying to make you follow them and like them and swipe them and all the stuff that you do on the phone. They, they, there's, there's so many distractions if you don't believe me, try to pray for 15 minutes without thinking about an email that you should have sent or an email that you received or a person at work that you don't like or a text message that you just felt buzz in your pocket, right? Like 15 minutes, you can't, it's just distractions. We get so easily off track. I'll tell you a great example of it is, and maybe this doesn't happen to you. Uh, have you ever walked into a room and then you're standing in this room in your house and you can't remember why you came in that room? Did you ever have that happen? Like you walk into the kitchen, I'll do it. I'll walk into the kitchen. I'll even open the cabinet. And then I'll be like, what was I, what was I looking for in here? You know, 
But I don't want anybody to know, so I take out the peanut butter as if that was where I was going. So I've eaten a lot of peanut butter in my time, just, you know. But it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get off track. And it's not, it's not, this isn't just a new phenomenon. This is throughout history, throughout time. The children of Israel were always getting distracted. They had come from, their ancestors had worshipped many gods. They had lived in Egypt for 400 years in bondage. And there were many gods to look after and to serve and to, and to follow. There were many voices. There, was, there were many inputs. There were many different ideas flowing. And Moses comes down and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God... The Lord is one. I just want you to focus on one thing. I just want you to come after one thing. Because when you pursue one thing in life, when you just go after, when you allow all of the distractions and all of the voices and all of the white noise and all of the non-essential stuff to clear out of your path and go after one thing, it is transformative in your life. I'm going to ask you a question. and You can write this question down. And here's the question. What would your life look like? If all of your time, energy, resources, and efforts were focused in the single-minded pursuit, in the single-minded pursuit of loving God, what if, your, what if that pursuit informed your relationships, informed your job, informed your school, informed your church, informed every activity of your life, heart, soul, mind, strength, body, everything was directed towards one thing. Everything in life was about one thing. Does this please God? Does this demonstrate my love for God? Does this actually honor God? Am I celebrating God through this action? Is it taking me further, deeper into him? Or is it drawing me away from him? This is what Moses is saying. This is what the Bible is saying. He's saying, there's just one thing. Here's what happens when we go after one thing. It means that we have only one source of authority. One source of authority. Anybody in here a backseat driver? Anybody? Okay, let me ask it a different way. Anybody sitting next to a backseat driver in here? All right, a few more. Right. When, when Rebecca and I were on the way to the hospital with our second, our second child, Lincoln, was about to be born, there were a lot of people in the car. It was me. Um, Rebecca was there, which is important for this story. And uh, her mom was in the car. Her dad was in the car. And then her... Um, what do you call it? Not the doula, the midwife. I can never remember that name. Midwife was on the phone. I was on the phone with the midwife. So I got Rebecca, mother-in-law, father-in-law, midwife, me, driving. Lincoln and her. Um, and so we're, we're, we're charging towards the, the hospital. And Rebecca is saying, go faster. Okay? Because she wants to get to the hospital. Her mom's like, slow down. We're going cra- to get in an accident. Her dad, Phil, is like... Actually, I know a shortcut, brand. If you'll just take a right up here, okay? And the midwife, the midwife, literally, I'm not joking. You can ask Rebecca. She's like, she's from, she's from South Africa. She's got this very strong accent. Brent, I want you to turn around. Rebecca is not ready to have this baby. And I'm like, you're not even in the car. Like, you have no idea. I think secretly, am I right? Secretly, I think she wanted to deliver the baby at home. So she's like, no, just stay at home. And it, so anyway, I'm like, okay, everybody. Everybody be quiet because I'm just going to go straight to the, to the hospital right now. We're going to do this. This is our life, right? We get, we've, you know, a lot of people have opinions about your life. Do you know that? And they will tell you and you will hear voices and there will be cultural ideas and, and streams of thought and news feeds and, you know, uh, clickbait and all kinds of stuff around your life trying to get you to go all different directions. And the question is, 
Who's my authority? Like, where do I decide yay or nay? Right? When you are in single-minded pursuit of God and loving God with everything, you have one source of authority. God, am I pleasing you? Am I honoring you? In fact, Joshua took over, as you know, from Moses. Some of you know the story. Joshua took over after Moses and they got into the promised land. And still the people were kind of like, well, you know, who do we worship? Who do we follow? Here's what Joshua says. I love this. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. You can serve the gods of your fathers in the region beyond the river, the people that your great grandma worshiped, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. You can choose these gods. But here's what I'm going to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's only one source of authority in my life. Everything that I do, everywhere I go, every thought that I have, I'm going to submit it to the authority of the one God in whom I am made and whom I breathe and whom I live and who made me. I'm going to just go after him. That's it. One source of authority. What does your life start to look like when you're not listening to a thousand different 4.5 billion, you know, users and 2.5 billion, you know, 83 million Facebook, uh, Facebook pages are, are fake anyway. Did you know that? So like, there's just so much, there's just so much noise. What if you had one source of authority? All you did was pursue that. Here's what happens. One source of authority leads to one sense of purpose, one sense of purpose. I'm going to show you a, um, a picture I, and, and, and I'm not going to preach long. I'm going to preach like three more minutes. Um, take, a, take a look at this. I don't know if you've ever seen this picture before. This is called a, um, they call it a large hadron or hadron collider. This is the largest, most complex machine on the planet. It is 17 miles in circumference. So if you plant, if, 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 you, if you set it down in St. Louis and put one edge of it right here at the Tivoli, the other edge of it would be downtown. It's a massive machine, complex machine. There are literally millions upon millions of parts to this machine. There were tens of thousands of scientists involved in building this machine. There were hundreds of countries involved. There were hundreds of universities involved in building this machine. And all of these different parts, all of these different diverse, diffused parts were all directed towards one thing. It's a particle collider. The goal of it is to make these particles of energy go around, they collide it, and then they, can exp- and then they can study what happens. And this is like the most complex, huge machine on the planet with all of this input, but it only has one single purpose. What if the body of Christ was like that? Every single one of us coming from all of our different backgrounds, all of our different areas of expertise, all of our different gifts, all of our different strengths, were under one authority, and we were all moving towards one purpose. We only had one sense of purpose. God, we're just going to pursue you. We're going to love you with everything we've got. And what flows out of that is we love our neighbor as, as ourselves. We learned that from Jesus. But we're just going to love you. Our whole purpose is to pursue a love for you. What would your life look like individually? What would your family look like? What would our church look like if that's all we were doing? God, we just, we're, who cares about the methods? We'll figure out the methods along the way. But we have one mission. We have one purpose. We have one vision to pursue you with everything we got, to love you with heart, soul, mind, and body, just to go after you with everything we've got. What if we have one authority, one sense of purpose, and then one simple motive? One simple motive. We have one motive. You can put that slide on. One simple motive. What is the motive? 
What animates everything that we do? What's behind all that we're doing? What's at the base? What's at the core of who we are? Right? They asked Jesus this. You know the story in Mark. The Pharisee, the, the law, the, the, the scribe came to him, the lawyer. Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What's the thing? What are we supposed to do? What's the most important? And you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but he actually quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. Jesus' response was this. He said, the most important one, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What if everything you did, your relationships, your family, your school, your job, everything was animated by a love for God. And you tried to display your love for God in everything that you do. I know some of you might be thinking like, well, what about my job? I mean, I've got all of these different all of these different things that I've got, all these different categories of life that I need to square away. Job, family, school, life, all of this. I got all this stuff, right? How can I do it? I can't, I'm nervous, I'm anxious about how can I actually do this? You know what Jesus said? Last thing I'm gonna say to you. Jesus said this, do not worry about your life. Do not worry. Don't worry what you will eat, what you will drink. Don't worry about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. In other words, everybody's running after everything. Everybody's going after everything. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows you need all these things. But here's what you're going to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All this other stuff is going to be added to you. It's all going to be taken care of. Just come after me, he's saying. Here's the beautiful thing, and I'm going to close with this. The love is not a duty. It's not, a, it's not something that you have to work up inside of yourself. Love pours out of the experience of love. If you can experience the love of Christ, open your heart to receive the absolute unconditional love of the Father who loves you so much, loves you beyond any, anything you can imagine. Even the guards that you have up right now as I'm saying this, and you're going, yeah, but, 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 yeah, but what about that? But there is this thing, and there's another thing that I, I've got going on in my life, and I can't. doesn't matter. He loves you through that. He loves you past that. He loves you despite that. He loves you like crazy. And when you experience that love, then you can turn it around and love him back. I want to challenge you today. I want to invite you today. I don't know who this is for. I don't know if it's for everybody, but I know it's for some folks. It's for somebody. Hey, get rid of the noise. Let it fall away. Get rid of the, the other stuff. Just go after him. Just pursue him with everything you've got. Because the way to free yourself from the bondage of the distraction of the many is to pursue the power of the one. Would you stand with me? Worship team, come on up. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to close. But I want to invite you today, this week, to release some stuff in your life that needs to be released. 
and focus everything you've got on him. Father, I want to love you more. I want to, I want to serve you more. I want to honor you with my heart, soul, mind, and body. I want to pursue you with everything I've got. I want to experience the power of the one. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, we come before you right now with gratitude in our hearts for your love for us. You've been so good to us. You've been in such hot pursuit of us. And now, Lord, we open up our hearts and we return to you. We reach back out to you, God. We ask that you give us strength, Lord, to lay down the things that distract us. Get away from the distractions and the diversions that that inhibit us, that make us less effective, that draw us away from you. And help us, Father, to focus this week on one and one thing only, the pursuit, the single-minded pursuit of the love of God. Help us to love you with heart, soul, mind, and body. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Father, may you be honored. May you be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, everybody. I hope you have an amazing week. God bless you. Good to be back. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen.